Thank you for listening to the Family Life Podcast. For more great content, visit thefamilylife.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message and will be encouraged to share it with someone you know. The book of 1 Peter, the third chapter. Now, I'd like for you to walk with me in the word. And I recognize that this is a holiday weekend, but um, let the word of the Lord be proclaimed. And let the word of the Lord be heeded. And let the word of the Lord be responded to. It does little good that if we come in here on a Sunday or whatever day it might be or whatever day of life it is for us, not just in the presence of people, but in the absence of a multitude. As a matter of fact, sometimes our most vulnerable place is in the absence of a multitude. Do you believe that? In fact, that's what Judas said. or That's what Judas did, rather. He looked for the absence of the multitude so that he might betray Jesus. Uh, Sometimes it's as important that we understand and we embrace and we respond to the knowledge of the word of God outside of the church as much as inside the church. That we live the life not just here, but we live the life there. When nobody watches, when nobody's looking, when nobody's listening, we're still who we need to be in Christ. Praise God. So let the word of the Lord be heeded today and let it be responded to. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust in verse number 18 of the book of 1 Peter in the third chapter that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited. In the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Now, Walk with me for a moment as we talk about that God waited. God waited. Father, I pray that you speak to us now. Help us all. Every one of us, that you would be glorified, that you would be exalted in all the earth, Lord, and that your name would be proclaimed and that people would understand the need to repent and be baptized in your name and filled with your spirit. Help this weighty word, God, reach to some soul. Help it to reach to some life on this holiday weekend that people might recognize that There is the need to respond to you, to live for you, to be saved this day. And so, God, I pray, touch us now. Anoint me and anoint this people. Anoint me to be your mouthpiece. Thank you, God, for your great goodness and love. And we trust in you. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Now, would you be kind to two people nearby? Look at them and tell them that they are just wonderful. And let them know that. Somewhere. Somewhere in the eternal goodness of all that God was and is, there was a timepiece of the temporal that God was allowing to count down. A judgment was passed that a flood would come. A command was given to build an ark that would ultimately save eight souls. We don't know. We don't know what that countdown was calibrated by. It's not given to us to completely understand it. The final growth of a tree that was needed to be hewn down to build the ark, possibly. The last swing of Noah's hammer, putting in place the final beam that would ultimately seal the door, could have been. Or possibly some final evil act of humanity that was a result of the overflow of their thoughts that the word said continually dwelt in them. Could have been anything. 
And the Lord said to Noah, if you would, please. And the Lord said unto Noah, come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. That was it. That was it. That was the command. And that was the culmination of the command given. Build an ark, enter the ark, and save your soul. Build an ark, enter the ark, and save your soul. From the first word God spoke to Noah, then with all the silence that was in between to when he spoke yet again, the book of 1 Peter said that God waited. In that tension between the two, in that space between when God first spoke to him of the building of the ark to the time, the verses later, the years later, the decades that passed, the days of sunshine, no rain, God then spoke again. And in that tension between the two, the book of 1 Peter said that God waited. He waited. The eternal, all-powerful one waited on the temporal, weak one. God waited. He held back his holy hand from releasing his wrath. He, he capped the waters that would come from beneath and he reserved a reservoir that was, that was held above. He stayed the waters so it would not happen until whatever that moment was, he said, enter the ark. God waited. He waited, God waited until somehow in his all-knowing mind that he could wait no more. Do you understand that? God waited according to that book, but there came the moment that he could wait no more. Whatever it was, whatever he decided, however it was, he could wait no more and then it happened. A flood, a flood that destroyed humanity, creation <clears throat> that he himself had created. Uh, it's often, understand this today, it's often that I talk about Noah and the flood because it was Jesus who said this, if you would. But as the days of Noah were, so also shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I talk about it often because he spoke of it. I tell of it because he said, as it was then, uh, so it shall be when Jesus returns for his bride. And by all appearances, as it was then, so it seems to be now. So that's why I speak of it often. The eternal one, uh, God put the stewardship, uh, he put the stewardship of the temporal into the hands of man to do something with what had been given to them. He put time in our hands. The eternal one, the eternal one put time into your hand and my hand. Uh, Noah had to build an ark to the saving of his soul and his family. You and I have been asked to do the same in the time that has been allotted to us. Yeah. You and I have been commanded that we might enter into what is built in the spirit. Uh, in our hands, and our hearts has been placed the stewardship of time. Everybody know that? Uh, in my hands, in your hands, you have been given time. That is what you have been given. That, that, that's, that's the most valuable commodity in all the world. It's the new currency of all humanity, time. Uh, we try to capture it. We try to keep it. We try to somehow extend it. In our hands, in our hearts, has been placed the stewardship of time. The responsibility to do something with what has been given to us. To act on, to believe, to respond, to live. Uh, what we know will save us. For like Noah, we don't know. We do not know what holds the hand of God back and when it will release his wrath and announce his return. 
As much as we know, as much as we can see, as much as we can understand within the context of the word, still there is that, there is that veil, if you would, that obscures us from seeing completely when it will be that God will return from the church. And so he put into our hands time. Look at this, if you would, please. Knowing this, knowing this first, know this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. All things continue as they have been since the beginning. And the scoffers say, where is the promise of his return? Where is he? How, why has he not come back? But understand this, the writer was saying, that the hand of God held back the waters until that moment that the flood would be released and the judgment would be passed. As he held it back then, he holds back the fire now. As he reserved the judgment then, he reserves the judgment right now. And so we are given the time that we might do something with it. The waters were kept back then by the word of God. The fire is held back now by the same. God waited, but God did not wait forever. His mercy that's new every morning. Somebody hear this right now. His mercy that is new every morning is not just a casual covering for our lack of concern or failure to choose the right. Sometimes we lean back on that verse and we lean back on that statement and I say it just about every day of my life. But the truth of the matter is I cannot let his mercy that is new every morning release me from the obligation that I have to the word of God and the responding to the word of God. But it as well, his mercy, his mercy that is new every morning, it as well holds his hand back from executing the ultimate judgment that will be. Understand this if you would please. The delay Delay on the part of humanity does not diminish the demand of God. Just because humanity delays their response, it does not diminish the demand of God. Just because people hesitate, just because we wander around spiritual things and do nothing with them, it does not stop God from moving forward. The plan has been executed. His word is forever settled in heaven. You understand that? Somewhere in the mind and the heart of God, something has already been settled about his return that I cannot see and you cannot see and we do not know. So no amount of delay on my part is going to cause him to hesitate. Uh, there will come the day that the fire of God's judgment will be revealed. I recognize this is a holiday weekend and, and this is a little bit heavy for a holiday. Everybody's just wanting to have a picnic, but, but I need you to hear the word of the Lord. There will come the day that the fire of God's judgment will be revealed. The scoffer's voice will be silenced. The choices that we make, the life that we choose will reveal what our heart really loves. It, it will reveal where we have placed our affection and our, our attention and our intention. Our nature does not like to look at God in that way. Our culture and the character of man wants to think that he is tolerant of sin, if not accepting of sin. We live in a time and a current of the culture that, that thinks that, that God somehow turns a blind eye. He just he winks at us. He winks at sin. He just, he just kind of casually laughs, at, if you would, at, a, at our weakness. No, God does not do that. He doesn't just turn a blind eye. No. Uh, most think, many think that he's tolerant of sin, accepting sin, that there's no requirement, nothing to answer for, little asked of and little to be accountable for. Hmm. But it's important to understand 
that the book of 1 Peter said that few souls, few souls were saved. Why did it say that? A few souls were saved, not masses, not many, few, eight, eight souls. The point was, it was not the masses, it was few souls. It was, in, it, it was an individual response. It was an individual choice. Eight souls had the choice. There were many souls that had the choice, but there were eight souls, few souls that were saved. Don't let conditions of this culture lure you into thinking that because others accept and tolerate sin, that there will be an exemption from God. That somehow just because there's a voice that's so loud and there are voices, the word said that there are many voices in this world and and none of them is without distinction. But there is a voice that is greater and that is permanent and that is faithful and that is the voice of God. That is the voice you've got to listen to. That's the word that we've got to hear. It doesn't matter if there's millions of people that oppose it. The word of God still stands. Doesn't matter if, if governments choose or if, if policy is made or if, or if people run to it or if there, somehow there's the hunger and the appetite to justify it. Ultimately, it is the word of God that will stand. It's the word of God that will prevail. It's the right word of God that will judge us. It's not the fads or the fashions of this world or even the church. Amen. It is the word of God that we will be judged by. And we cannot lessen one sin and hold yet another sin greater and think that some how God is ignorant of how we're feeling. No, no, no. The word of God remains steadfast. Amen. Amen. It will judge us. We will be judged by it. Amen. It can be easy to get caught in that current of thinking that there's time, thinking that there's time, that somehow that there's no requirement. We've got time. We don't have, somebody hear me right now. Come on. Somebody hear me. We don't have to repent and we don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. We don't have to be filled with the, with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We don't have to be born again. We don't have to live differently. We don't have to change. We don't have to have our mind and our thoughts altered by... No, uh, we, we get to convince ourselves we don't have to have those things or it's not necessary to be faithful or, or to live right or to do the right things. That I, no, come on. Don't, don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into that thinking. Don't get caught in that current that, that you still have time, uh, that there's no requirement. Few souls were saved. It was personal choice. Your salvation, your salvation is in your hands. Not your spouse, not your children, your parents, your friends, your foe. Look at it. This is what the word said about it. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You understand what he was saying there? I'm not there. And when I'm there, yeah, don't just live the life when I'm there. But when I'm not there, live the life. Say, why? Because you've got to work out your own salvation. My mom and dad, I love them dearly. Great people. I was blessed by my mom and dad. They brought me to church, but there came the day that I had to decide for myself that I was going to live for God. Amen. There came that day that I had to walk to that altar. I had to decide that I was going to, I talked about it last week. I was going to get in that tank and I was going to receive the Holy Ghost. I had to make my mind up. Come on, somebody, you got to make your mind up. You have to work out your salvation, your own salvation, your own. It's not that person sitting next to you or that person that is not sitting next to you. You have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You wanted them to know it couldn't be when he was just, just when he was around them uh, that they obeyed, but more importantly, when he was not around. It needed to be worked out with fear and trembling on their own. The weight of eternity needs to be understood with godly fear and physical action. That's what he was saying when he said with fear and trembling. It's got to be worked out. It's got to be worked out and understood with, with physical action, a spiritual response with a physical response. Yes. People say, well, I don't have, uh, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. He knows your heart, but he also knows your body. Yes. Yes. There's got to be a right action in the body that responds to a right heart. Yes. 
Jesus said in Matthew 25 that the kingdom of heaven was like a man traveling to a distant place who, who gave to his servants talents, things of value, in other words, to do something with. And when he returned, he required of them. The, the talents should have been increased. What he, he required of, of them what had been done with what had been given. The question must be asked and answered, what are we doing with the talent of time that we have been given? I'm going to repeat it. What are we doing with the talent of time that we have been given? No one stands at our doors today and prevents us from going to church. No one stands at our doors this day and prevents us from worshiping and praying and living for God freely. We are blessed in this country to do so. We are blessed on a continual basis, yet often we fail to exercise that faithful practice and right in our life because we choose the flesh greater than we choose the spirit. Amen. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Musicians, if you would, please. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Why? Because you've got to redeem the time. You've got to make best use of the time because these days are evil. Uh, everybody understand this? Yes, sir. These days are evil. If, unless you have lived in a cave, unless somehow you have, you have isolated yourself from the reality of, of life right now, these days are evil. Uh, and so because the days of evil, we're, we're demanded of God to redeem the time. There's a demanded pace that must be kept, a step in time that, that keeps moving forward, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Church, redeem the time. Protect the time. Find, find the time. Make the time. Uh, invest in the time because the days are evil. God waits, but God does not wait forever. So our time must be redeemed. One of the most difficult things from the perspective of the pulpit has been in my life that I have seen people who have known the truth, who knew what was right to do, who understood what was right to do, and yet did not do it. One of the most difficult things has been to see people walk out from God, walk out from the things of God, abandon the things of God, knowing what was right, knowing what would save them, yet not redeem the time. Hmm. God waits, but he does not wait forever. Look at this, if you would, please. And that knowing the time, knowing the time, in other words, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. We know the time. That now, right now, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. That when I first understood it, that when it first came into my heart and my life, it is now nearer than when I first believed it. And I'm telling you today, I'm telling someone in the sound of my voice, God is near to save you this day because his return is near to bring the church home. We, while God waits, we cannot wait. Come on, somebody pray with me right now. Father, I believe right now that somebody in the sound of my voice needs to understand this, needs to hear this, needs to be redeemed by it.